I've got one more experiment, one more experiment to do. And then I'm going to suggest how we use this, how practical this is, how we live from this, what we do with it when we go away from here. One more experiment. And this experiment answers a question which has been in your minds, I'm sure, many of your minds. You say, well, Douglas, this is terribly, terribly, this is terribly, terribly visual. You know, and, and how would you show this to a blind man? And if it's only, only accessible to vision, it can't be very profound. So I'm sure you must have felt uh, uh, like that. <clears throat> so our last experiment this evening uh, is to check up whether this is available to other senses than vision. But again, you are the authority. Again, don't believe a thing Douglas says. I shall ask questions. You must supply uh, your own answers uh, uh, silently, of course. And for the purpose of this experiment, please may we all shut our eyes and keep them shut. Now, <clears throat> exercising our own authority, daring to be who we are and go by present evidence, on present evidence. What shape are you? Do you have any shape now? Do you have any boundaries now? On present evidence, how tall are you? How many toes do you have? Couldn't you be any shape now? You know, when we were very little, we played a game, didn't we? Of being an aeroplane, a train, a lion. Why were we so good at being any shape we fancied, surely because, in fact, we are without shape in our own first-hand experience. Do you have any limits now? Do you have any boundaries? Is there any interface between you and the environment? Any place where you stop and the world begins? On present evidence, isn't it more perhaps as if you were, why this vast, vast space? The window at night, perhaps, still without a frame, still without any boundaries. Are you not capacity, endless capacity on present evidence? You could call this capacity, if you wished, silence. <clears throat> 
Are you not now silenced for these sounds to come and go in capacity, stroke, silence, endless, boundless, imperishable? Certainly the sounds perish. Does the silence perish? Certainly the capacity contains all sorts of sensations at this time. The warmth, pressure, tickles, tastes, aches, pain, and so on. All probably, I suggest, coming and going in your capacity. Are you not now a still capacity room for these perishable things to come and go in all sensation? And equally, thoughts arising Briefly flourishing and disappearing. Feelings coming up again for time, flourishing and dying back into this awake, boundless, imperishable capacity. Aren't you that now? You're the authority. Dare now to be yourself. <clears throat> On present evidence, how old are you? What is your nationality? What is your sex? <clears throat> On present evidence, with closed eyes. Dropping memory, imagination, going by what is given at this very, very moment. What is your color? Not to mention your job and name, address, telephone number, all that stuff. All that enormously complicated self-image you had built up over the years. Rightly built up. Life is about building up that self-image. But what's happened to it now? Is it available now? Can you find it now? Isn't that all stuff belonging to the past? Not given now on present evidence. Who are you now? Who are you now? What are you now? Are you able to say what you are now? On present evidence. What remains of all the stuff that you and I had built up? This enormously complicated picture of our personality 
our humanness. What's happened to it? So what are you able to say now about yourself? On present evidence, can you say, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm the other? I suggest, I don't know, but it's only a suggestion. I suggest that if you're really going by present evidence, you are unable to say, I'm this, or I'm that, or I'm the other. But are you destroyed now? Are you unable to say, I am? Wait a minute, what a name to have. I am. Whose name is that? You know, the great religions have all said that nearer to you than all else, more really, really you than all else, is the one whose name is indeed I am. And to, to recognize this is not pride, it is humility. Otherwise, we claim being for Douglas, I say Douglas is, Douglas is, Mary is, Chris is, Carol is. I say that pride, real humility, you say the one who is, and insofar as I am that one who is, the name of that one at this moment is I am. And that's quite a name to have. You're the authority. Are you comfortable with having lost all that stuff that you had built up and I had built up, that self-image? Are you comfortable with this? Or are you angry? Do you feel a sense of loss? Do you feel a sense of coming to a strange foreign country? Or on the contrary, do you feel a great relief a relief of homecoming. Who are you now in your own experience as first person singular, present tense? I suggest you're the one who is absolutely imperishable. The one who is love itself. The one who gives her or his life for his friend. Not because you're a religious person or spiritual person. Psychologically, what shall I say, acute, developed, or some spiritual master or other, but because you're simple enough, humble enough, to be infinitely great. On present evidence, who are you now?
And when we open our eye, I think all that happens surely is that the decorations of our home become uh, more exciting, more colorful, but one's name remains. That extraordinary name, the name we shall never lose, never lose. Well, that is the conclusion of our little experiments. We're going to do a whole lot uh, more tomorrow and the day after. But any of you, many of you will not come for one reason or another, not able to come uh, tomorrow or Sunday. And I promise you, you won't have lost anything. Uh, 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 we've spilled the beans. Douglas has spilled the beans tonight. Uh, uh, certainly tomorrow uh, we should be going a lot further into the implications and applications of what we discovered tonight. But anyone who is not coming uh, after this has still really experienced with us hear what the whole thing is about. Any road home is a good road. <clears throat> For the rest of the evening until half past nine, um, I wanted to say something about the practicality of this. What use is it? You know, does it help in our lives? What's the good of it? No, apart from, what shall I say, the entertainment, the fun, the relief of her coming home and all that, how does it help us actually to function better in our lives? Well, I don't know about you, and I think that living, but I do think that living from the truth of who we are has got to work better from uh, than living from a bunch of lies, hasn't it? It's got to work better. Living from the truth of who we are has got to be more practical in every which way. And let me, let me just uh, indicate a few of the ways which I think uh, you would find uh, your life working out better if you lived consciously from what we've seen tonight, if you practiced it what would happen, because we do have to practice it. You know, just coming home once, uh, you know, uh, this evening is very good, but you know, it's not going to change our habits. It's not going to change our lives until we keep coming home and keep coming home to the place we never left until it is natural to be natural and live in the as-is world, being who we are uh, and, and have, and what shall I say, have less respect for the as-if world, which we still have to live in. Well, let me just give you one or two uh, things I've noticed about my own life uh, uh, that I haven't mentioned yet. And uh, uh, I would uh, suggest that you try these things out in your own life and see whether they work for you.
And the first thing is about energy. Energy. You know, when I was talking about that little guy in the mirror there, that, that little friend we had when we were little children, little friend, and when we grew up, he, he escaped or she escaped from the glass tank and came up here and, and parasitized me here. And you also parasitized by the thing which really belongs there. Well, what happens? Well, parasites drain our energy and they kill us. And I say, if we want energy, we have to be truthful about who we are. Put it another way, it takes an enormous amount of energy. It's incredibly tiring to keep hallucinating a meatball here for keeping people out with. It takes an enormous amount of energy. And not only do I have to build this hallucination here, but I have to keep adjusting it for you and you and you. I have to keep changing it all the time. It's incredibly tiring. Isn't it? It really is. Let's live from the truth, and I would say that we're likely to have more energy. Hallucination is tiring. And when it's hallucination of something right at the center of my world, it's desperately tiring. So if we want the energy, I'd say, let us, let us try living from who we really, 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 really are, instead of from who they say we are, they tell us we are. Live from Shakespeare's glassy essence, the transparency, the window without a frame, the imperishable I am. Live from that, and I suggest you will have a lot more energy. Well, you know, in, it, it, I shouldn't talk about this, but in Australia, they, they, my friends, the work, work dug is pretty hard, I can tell you. And, I mean, at 82, you see, I really need this. I really do. I mean, otherwise I should be carried out of here on the stretcher or brought in on the stretcher. I really, really mean this. If we wanted some energy, let's tell the truth who we really, 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 really are, our true nature, energizing. And as for you to test this, I suggest it's obviously going to be true if we live from who we really, really are. Of course, the joke is, there's a fantastic joke here, we are all living from who we are. Everyone in this room is doing it right. It's just that we didn't notice we were doing it right. <laughs> I mean, nobody is, nobody could live from that meatball in the dark, sticky, wet interstices of that decaying thing. Nobody believes that anyway, not even in the loony bin. <laughs> we're all living from who we really, really, really are, are we not? We're all living from them. The only thing is we'd got intimidated in saying, I am. What I, I am here, what I look like to those guys over there. What we have to do is have the guts to say, mind your own business. I'm going to be who I am. You look after my appearance, I look after my reality. <laughs> it's simple, isn't it? 
We're all doing it right. We're all living from who we are. That is really, really energizing to do that. But I come back to this business of loving. You know, our lives are about personal relationships, are they not? I mean, all of us really have this opportunity and this problem. How are we going to relate to the people we love and the people we don't love quite so much as we should. <laughs> How are we going to relate to them? I say, let's give love a chance by telling the truth. We are busted wide open for each other, aren't we? Glasnost. We are absolutely busted wide open for one another. All we've got to do is look and see that. And when we live from that, we give love a chance. We give love a chance. And we're all living from that. It's not a case of changing anything. You see, there are two, we all agree there's something gone wrong. And there are two things we can do, and that is uh, change ourselves and pull up our socks and have all sorts of therapy and treatment of one kind or another, you know, so that we can live better lives. Well, you try that one. Try that one. I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about improving ourselves. I'm talking about accepting ourselves as we really, really, really are. Telling the truth about we, how we're living anyway, anyway. And I say we find that we are built, busted wide open for another. We are built for loving. And you go home from here and you look at your dear one and you've got another straight option. Shall you lie and make it confrontation? Or shall you tell the truth and tell it like it is, which is being busted wide open? Chris, I'm going to ask Chris to come up here. Chris. <coughs> My dear friend Chris is responsible for, for Douglas being here. Now, you see, if you look, if you look at Chris and me, uh, uh, now, uh, we, as we look at one another, from your point of view, Chris and I are confronting one another, aren't we? There's a meatball there. Yeah. There's a, a young meatball there. Well, a fresh meatball there and a stale one. There. <laughs> and there's about three feet between them. And we're confronting one another. I haven't rehearsed this with Chris, but Chris, is it like that for you? I have to say it's not, Douglas. After about four weeks ago, it'll never be the same again. And uh, I find it the most remarkable thing that what I'm really looking at is Douglas, and what I seem to be looking out of is just the space of Douglas. And that, for me, is an extraordinary change in, in my being. It's most wonderful, really. And uh, uh, I think we could say that we're trading faces. You're certainly, I'm certainly full of your face. Yeah. I can see these arms. I can see these hands. I can see the whole scene here. But here there is just a space for everything which is occurring. So, because am I, am I speaking the truth when I say that we're really built for, if I, if I may call it loving, we are built from that way if we tell the truth. Is that right? Yes, and it frightens me. It frightens the hell out of me. 
<laughs> Why? Why? One of the things that happens with this, I'm finding, and I'm only um, slowly experiencing this or letting myself into it, but there is a tendency to want to just embrace almost everybody you meet. Uh, and uh, Douglas, I have this awful temptation now. Uh, and that's something which you have to get used to. I'm still adjusting to it. My wife wouldn't be very happy with quite a lot of the people I would like to embrace. And, uh, so there is, there is that element of it, that it is so, you are so empty for what is um, occurring um, that it is, uh, there's just no distance, there's no space, there's no separation. And uh, it's, not, it's not a mystical experience at all. Um, it's just the truth. It's just the way we are. Wonderful. Thank you, Chris. So I would say, let's tell the truth and give love a chance. Tell the truth and give love a chance. And I say the world is really a beautiful world designed to a fantastically beautiful specification in which love is the bottom line. Because every, every one of us is built open for the rest, you know. In the real world, in the real world, love not only has a chance, love is what it's all about. And what by love, I'm not talking about sentimentality and goo, gu the gushing sentimentality stuff. I'm saying let's live from the truth and see that we're actually built that way and the feelings will come the feelings will come if we tell the truth about what we see seeing first loving afterwards um, Dante great great Italian poet in the divine comedy which most of you will all know, most of you will know in part anyway says Blessedness comes through vision, seeing, not from loving, which comes later, comes later. Let us tell the truth about what we see, and the love will come up, and we'll be given a chance. So I would say this is the second fruit we could reasonably expect from living from who we really, really, really are. But you see, we have to practice it. And I would say that this practice is meditation. It's meditation for ordinary life. Meditation for the marketplace. It's meditation when you go away from here and tell the truth in your car. Because the one who you really, 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 really are, I think you will find never moved one inch. I mean, if your space for the world to happen in, Space doesn't rush about Melbourne. You get in your car and you tell the truth. And you have fun. Because this kind of meditation is fun. That's why you go on with it. The other kind, you know, we're apt to give up because it's so bloody dull. <laughs> but this is really meditation, which I'd say really fun. And you get in your car. You get in your car and tell the truth. Well, I've come all the way down by car from Brisbane, you know, and to be going by car 
uh, presently down to uh, Adelaide. And, you know, a lot of nonsense. Never moved an inch. Australia did all the moving. <laughs> it's marvelous. Australia dances. You see, and when you were very, very little, you told the truth. And you looked in the car, in the, you went, your dad took you for a drive in the car, and you, you just watched those, those telegraph poles going by, and, and, the, and the trees going by, and the, and the houses turning, and the cattle rushing about in the field, and the kangaroos getting up to I don't know what. And you saw all this happening when you were very, very little. You told the truth. Australia danced. Then what happened? That was the as-is world. Then the as-if world took over. Australia sadly ground to a halt. <laughs> it ground to a halt. Now, where did all that commotion go? Where did it go? You know, for me, it went in here, and I lost my inner peace. I lost my tranquility. I became commotion. I really lost my peace. Now, when I get in the car, I give back the motion to the world. I regain my tranquility. I never really lost. And Australia dances. And that's so beautiful. And it's such fun. Practicing this is fun. And I say it, it is practical in every which way. Because whatever I do from hallucinating a thing here is badly done, comparatively. If I'm writing a book or, or washing the dishes or pretending to clean the house, which I rarely do, but... <laughs> If I'm whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it from who I really, really am here from the space. It is better done, and I would say done, with a certain amount of pleasure. If you're doing it from this place, is to be, do a better job and to enjoy it much more. And to do anything I do from the hallucinated meatball here spoils the work. Put it another way, for me, the bottom line is not just seeing who I am here, but trusting it. At the end of the day, it's a matter of trust, surrender to who I really, really, really am. You know, that little guy in the mirror has no resources. Little Douglas there, he's thin, you see, little thin little guy. You've got no resources, no substance, that little guy in the mirror, Douglas. I put my money on him, and my God, I've lost out on my life. I really have, and we do. You know, we put our money on that little thing. But the ego constellates about that picture. Put my money on him, and he will always, always let me down. You know, if I came in and talked to you from him, I would mean, be desperately miserable and boring for, for all of us. The only way to do a job fairly well, or at least as well as we are able to do it, is from who we really, really, really are. This backing that we have is infinite. Douglas will always let me die. 
the one I am here, the transparency that goes on and on forever, is a well that never runs dry, never lets me down. It doesn't give me what I want. It gives me what I need. And I don't say, I say, don't believe a word of it. Test it. Test it. I can only swear to you in my 82 years of desperate failure and neglect to look at this, followed by some faithfulness to it in later years, I can only say that this is what it's all about for me, is trusting who I really, really, really am and giving up trying to trust little Douglas in a mirror. So the bottom line for me is trusting. How do we keep this up? How do we keep this up? I don't know how you will keep it up. I don't know how many of you want to keep it up. I would say that it, it's consistent. It should be consistent with whatever you find helpful, whatever meditation or therapy or uh, spiritual practice you have. Surely, if this is valid, it should be consistent with that. If you want to keep this up, how do you do it? What are the methods of doing it? Well, I, I'll give you one or two more tips, perhaps, uh, uh, about, what shall I say, keeping uh, this experience, this vision of who we really, really, really are, green in our experience, coming back to it and back to it till it's natural in the end, to be natural. Because this is what this evening is about. It's about simply about being natural, isn't it? Not being phony. It's all it is, really. Just about being natural. Well, how do we keep it up? Well, I can tell you one or two things that I find helpful. Well, first of all, having some problems is very helpful. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say desperately severe problems, but having quite severe problems brings me back to the place where there are no problems. Because who I really, really, really am is problem-free. Really. And I'm living from the problem-free area out into the world where Douglas is. Douglas is all problems. He runs on problems. And the world runs on problems. Having problems there brings me back to the place where there are no problems. So having problems is a good thing up to a point, provided you let them bring you back to the problem-free, stress-free region. Things are stressed. The world runs on stress like cars run on petrol. Everything is stressed. I suggest who you really, really, really are is stress-free because there's nothing there to be stressed. No thing. Not nothing. No thing. This awake, immense transparency is no thing and unstressable. Problems help. But there's one thing I find very refreshing and helpful. That is to hang around people who are on this wavelength. I hang around Chris and Carol and, and various other friends that I've acquired on this visit to Australia. You know, they refresh me and help me to remain clear. So I say, seeing who you really, really are is like measles. 
Capturing. Capturing. It really is capturing. Isn't it, Chris? It's really capturing. So stay around people on this wavelength. You say, well, I don't think I know anybody on this wavelength. <laughs> All right, show them. Show them. You know, you could go away from here and show a dozen people tonight. Chris tells me he came back on a plane from Adelaide and, and it, it kind of most by accident shared this with his friend next door to it. And it's, it, it's eminently shareable. It's the only thing you can share with people. I mean, if I tried to share with you my appreciation of Mozart or, or, or my uh, delight in the, in the fantastic colors of Australian flowers, I mean, your red might be my blue. And Mozart, well, I mean, how could I explain what I feel about Mozart? Or any other ideas, almost incommunicable. But when you, when you see who you really, really, really are, and you share it with someone by means of these experiments or others, then you really, the, well, you experience the barriers down. They really down. And you can go away from here and show people. So I would ask you to do that for me. Would you do that, please? The world needs this, needs this recipe for love, doesn't it? Telling it like it is, living in the world where love has a chance. We need this. Practicing this is fun, refreshing, efficient. It works. Don't believe a thing Douglas says. Test it. You are the authority. You are the authority on you. If you find something quite different where you are, I respect that. I'm not talking about the way to who you really, really are. I'm talking about a way. It's a very, very good, demythologized, up-to-date, efficient way of coming home to the place you never left. But it's only one way of many. It's not the way. It's a bloody good way. <laughs> Tomorrow we shall be doing some much more elaborate experiments for confirming this. It won't be new because we've all got it. Everyone's got it here tonight. But we shall be exploring how to live this, to build it into our lives. And so you'll be most welcome tomorrow and the day after. But it's not necessary. Not necessary. I just, just like to give you my love and thank you for coming tonight. Marvelous.